0: This is gonna hurt. hurt. It's time time for the Suffering Suffering Podcast. Podcast. Talent can be a dual edged sword that could cut deep from multiple angles. The level of expectation for failure and success is a very narrow margin. Play great, and it may not be good enough. Play great, and some would say you fail. The pressure of expectation destroys more than it motivates not every person is cut out to handle the weight of their gifts, judging themselves on what they should be accomplishing and not what they're doing. The definition of failure is falling below expectations. Conversely, the definition of success is exceeding those same expectations. The common thread is defining your understanding of expectations. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felace and welcome to the Suffering Podcast. If you're a fan of overcoming adversity and overcoming suffering, then we're for you because that's what we do and that's the stories we like to highlight. So do me a favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, please comment. And don't forget to ring the bell so you can get notified about all our new content and follow us on social media. That way you can keep up to date on the things that we do. On this episode of the Suffering Podcast, we welcome Tony Woods to discuss the suffering of a first round draft pick. Tony has been where very few people have gone, but every kid who puts on a helmet and pads wants to be. Tony, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me.
1: You know, Kev, I got to say, this is this is like a proud moment for me. Tony and I went to high school together and to see him become a professional football player. It was, it, I'm sure it was his dream come true, but I was always too slow, too slow, too short, and too white. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Tony lived...
0: My dream. You know, we. I, I had a. I played with a guy who came close. He got recruited, went to Penn State, played for Penn State. And I always thought if there was anybody, he was going to be the guy. And I was, I was always just like you, you root for him because you want to be. You live mm-hmm. vicariously through your friends. Correct. And I, I'm assuming that's the type of relationship that you had.
1: Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. You know, I. I mean, we're, we'll get into it later, but one day when Tony played in Giant Stadium, you know, we got down by the players' parking lot, and we were like, Tony. He's like, and he turns around. I was just like, you know, it was like we were back in high school together. You know, it was really cool to see something Absolutely. like that. You just built his ego up. <laughs> On that day, everybody's looking at him like, oh, the fuck
0: do you know, Tony? I mean, if,
1: I, if I was dating a girl, I was probably going to go home and get some that. You know, like, oh, you, you know you know a football player? We do have to throw a shout out to our marquee sponsor.
0: That's Toyota of Hackensack. We don't trust anybody as police, but we do trust Toyota of Hackensack. So if you're looking for a car, go to toyotahackensack.com. Let them find you a car. Now, Tony. Each week, we take a question from our audience. This mm-hmm. one comes from Angel Baby, and I pulled this one specifically for you because obviously you're you're a sports guy. You know, you live and breathe. Even to this day, I, I've read enough about you where you live mm-hmm. and breathe
2: sports. It's what is your fondest sports memory? Well, actually, people will probably think it would be something from the NFL, but it's actually in high school when we won our state championship my junior year. Um, we we end up going eleven and zero. And we beat our rivalry, which is Bergen Catholic. I'm sure everybody knows about Bergen Catholic, but. 20 to 12. There it is. That's the score. It was 20 to 12. And that was. Do you remember it much? (laughs) 20 to 12. It was 40 years ago. 20 to 12. And it was like a revenge game because we lost to them in the Meadowlands at the time, which was Giant Stadium. My sophomore year, I believe it was 12 nothing, And then we ended up playing them again my junior year. And we
1: won. We beat them 20 to 12. We beat them twice that year. Yes, we beat them twenty to eighteen during the regular season, I believe it was, and twenty to twelve in the championship game.
0: You know, it shows a lot about a team when they can lose one game that they play with them and come back and overcome and beat that. Because a lot of times, that loss, that first loss, becomes a mental loss more than a physical loss. Correct. And I, is was that something that made it a little bit more satisfying to you?
2: Definitely, we respected them; they respected us. It really was a a coin flip. Just one play here, one play there was going to decide the game. Uh, our coaches the coaches were rivalries against each other so it, w- it made the game
1: bigger than it really was but it was a physical tough football game like you said we respected them they respected us correct but we also hated them and they hated us <laughs> correct absolutely <laughs> I mean it was it was a a knockdown dragout yes. You know, yes every it time especially on the sidelines Oh yeah! Oh yeah! No, yeah, I, I was yeah.
0: No, not playing. He, he was, was <laughs> on the sidelines nursing <laughs> nursing his his hurt ankle. No, Mike,
1: that, when we won the championship, it was his junior year, my sophomore, sophomore year. Uh, okay, I was hanging out by the cheerleaders <laughs> in my uniform.
0: <laughs> Mike, what do you think?
1: You know, I like I said. I mean, I played sports my whole life, and you know, I always I was always one of the smaller people on the field, and I I was an athlete, but I wasn't that great after i went to college for a year i want to play in semi-pro football for about about four or five years and i'll never forget we were playing at the, the new jersey oaks which was one of our big rivals and i was playing corner and one of their big wide receivers comes out on the first play he looks at me and goes <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it just gives me that like chuckle i was in his face all day all day i was i was smashing him on the line of scrimmage i mean I wound up having like two interceptions. I had a fumble recovery. This guy only had like two receptions. After the game, he sought me out. And he goes, "You shut me down today," and mm-hmm. that was just like my a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. That was like my my feel good moment. You know. And then I sucked after that. <laughs> I want to leave it. I got I got
0: two of them. So when I okay. when I played college ball, I was a big fan of. Growing up, I was a big fan of Conrad Dobler and the way he played. Awesome. Okay, so Conrad Dobler. And I learned this, I forget what video I was watching, but I used to go into the guys and I I would pinch their nipple, I'd get under their pads, I was a lineman, you know, I got you. pinch their nipple, I'd, I'd jab them in the ribs or something, really get them pissed off. <laughs> mm-hmm. And after about three or four plays, I'd just walk past the ref, I'd make sure, I didn't turn my head, I'd say, hey, keep an eye on number you know, 65 <laughs> no. here, he's getting a little dirty. And sure enough, man, that guy would come back at me. But my my most precious moment is, it happened recently. You know, my oldest, my oldest and guy, just he lives, breathes, and eats football. And he's been Mm -hmm. to a couple Jets games. I got some friends who are in the Jets. But my youngest guy was able to get three tickets this year, Mm -hmm. and it was my first. It was his first football game. My ten year old, and that I don't know if you guys remember that. Do you remember the first time you walked into a pro stadium and you come out of the tunnel and you see the field for the first time?
1: You know, capture that, Mm -hmm. and even a stadium just it goes up forever. capture that
0: in a bottle and you have true magic. And I, and I looked for it in my 10 year old's face. Like I was waiting for that moment. He came in, the eyes got so wide and, and he was just amazed by everything. But then we went out on, and then I'm, I'm talking to him and I said, how big's that field? And he goes, I don't know. It looks like the same as our field. And I said, that field's a hundred yards. How big's your Mm -hmm. field at? At your home field, it's 100 yards. Right. And I said, those guys look at it the same way. While well, you are amazed at all this fanfare and stuff like that, but that amazement in his eyes, and even my oldest, he, he did the same thing first Jets game I took him to. The mm-hmm. amazement in their eyes, you can never duplicate it, you can never replicate it. There is no drug in the world that could give me that high that I got
2: looking at my boys first time they go into a pro stadium. I agree totally. That's the same thing happened to me in the 70s going to Yankee Stadium. And just seeing it for the first time, my eyes were – because I played
1: more baseball growing up than anything. You got to see Thurman Munson. That was my favorite player. Thurman Munson was my favorite player. Next week – I mean, he he died August 2nd, I think, 1979. So that's next week. Lesson of the day, don't try to
0: fly your own airplane. (laughs) (laughs) And Angel Baby, thank you so much for sending that one in. Keep sending in your questions, and we will try to get them on the air. Now you're a you're in a little bit of an anomaly. What I know mm-hmm. about you comes from Mike. Okay. I tried to do my research on I, you, but your Wikipedia I, page is wrong. I tried to say nice things about you. I appreciate <laughs> well, that.
1: Not a problem, man. You're a lot bigger <laughs> to me. It was like two
0: that. nice, one not so yeah. nice. Right. You know, he did his he did his work, but the, your Wikipedia page is wrong. And we got to contact Wikipedia and say you are the original
2: Tony, Tony Woods. Woods. Correct. Yeah, they, they do have a guy that used to play in the USFL. Um, I don't. I'm not sure if he was older than me or not, but I never played in the USFL. Yeah, that's the only one that
0: I. know. Well, actually, a lot of players started their careers Correct. in the USFL. Correct. The only one I know is New Jersey Generals. Beyond that, I couldn't tell you any other USFL. team. Right. We had the Philadelphia
1: Stars. You yes. The Stars. The New Orleans Breakers. breakers. Right. That's pretty good. I mean, I, I mean, they 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 brought they Jim um, Kelly originally signed. So. Doug Flutie, Jim
0: Kelly. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, Reggie White. Herschel Walker. Reggie White. All yeah, Re- Reggie White yeah. started. see, I didn't know Reggie White. Yep. He was one of my favorites because I'm an Eagles fan. So yes. yes. He,
1: he doesn't know football, Tony.
0: <laughs> He's <an> Eagles fan. <laughs> so since your Wikipedia page is so screwed up, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Obviously, you are our first-round draft pick. That
1: I'm going to give away. Let's set the record straight. You tell us about yourself. We'll we'll, we'll go on your Wikipedia and cross everything <laughs> off.
2: All right, Well, I don't know where it starts. but um, Where'd you grow oh, up? Yeah, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. Born and raised. Um, Newark, when, New Jersey in the
0: 60s was a little bit of a different place than it yes, is now.
2: I just missed the riots because I was born in 65. No, I, I, excuse me. I think the riots were 67. So I was too young to, to understand and see what was going on. But um, even though Newark has this reputation of being a an aggressive city, some good, some bad, um, where I grew up at was somewhat middle class, believe it or not, Um we had the house where everybody came. My father, he—you
0: know—your mother designed it that way. I don't know. I don't really. I'm, I'm going to tell you, your mother designed it that way because my wife does the same thing. She to wants, keep the kids home—that's it. She wants to make the house the meeting place so she can keep an eye on you, but also give you a
2: place to be a kid. Well, that was a tip. Well, that's a great tip because that's exactly what happened. We had the house on the corner, brick house. We had the basketball court. We, my father, and my brothers, we helped build the indoor pool, an underground pool outside. We had the jukebox. We had the house where all the kids came. Hmm. So, you know, my mother would feed the kids left and right, and it just it was a it was a good time. So, even though it was a lot of outside noise, and obviously you always can find crime and things to do, but we were that house on the corner where everybody came to have
1: well, fun. We, I mean, we had this conversation just before about inner city. Mm-hmm. You know, before we went on air, and because kids don't have places to play now, correct? You know, they're shutting down playgrounds, they're shutting down. You know, or their parents are afraid to send them to playgrounds because yeah. there's violence happening all, yeah, all exactly. around them correct so if you have that safe home to go to i mean right kudos to your parents that's a great job by them and everybody you know we we stayed outside we
2: whether girls playing jump rope guys you know playing basketball we didn't
1: have video games
2: no video games we, yeah. we, we atari, atari. He was atari. just getting yeah. started <laughs> at that time correct
0: was <laughs> sports a part of your upbringing
2: did your did your parents instill it in you or did you just find it on your own we really found it on my own because my brother and I, who were the athletes in the family, uh, we always used to watch TV. I was my brother was more outdoors guy. I was somebody who kind of liked to study the game, so I used to watch all you know the college football. Football ended up being my favorite sport. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers was my favorite team because back in the seventies, all you it, saw yeah. was Dallas Steelers. Miami Dolphins, 49ers, those type of teams. And I guess the black and gold just stuck with
1: me. Jack what, Lambert fan? The, the Absolutely. Steelers, the Steelers My favorite were, player. Yeah. The, Steelers, the Steelers were the team of the 70s. Correct. So, you know, growing up in that age. you, you know, know, Born like, in the 60s but raised in the 70s. And exactly. if
0: anybody ever questions that, just what was that Uh, Burt Reynolds movie? Stroke Ace, I think it was where Terry Bradshaw's in there and Burt Reynolds hauls off and punches Terry Bradshaw in the mouth in the mm. movie. And Terry Bradshaw comes back and spits his tooth at Burt Reynolds and then it's game on. <laughs> so that's how big the Pittsburgh Steelers were in the seventies, that they Correct. were actually movie stars also. Yes. You know, Dallas didn't have that.
2: No, Dallas didn't have
1: that. Dallas, well, they had the star on their helmet yeah. and they and had the shiny pants. So all the girls and, like, and like nice cheerleaders, and they had the cheerleaders,
2: they had did the cheerleaders. have the cheerleaders, but yeah, I became a, still a fan, but I was a person that studied the game. And once I saw, You know, whatever happened on TV, then we running outside to try to practice it in in the playground or in in the park and those type of things.
1: Now, were you always like one of the bigger kids growing up or did you or you were a late bloomer? Always.
2: I was always one of the tallest, but I was young. I looked older than what I what I actually was. So I actually got better because I played against kids in high school. They, you know, knocked us around. That's that's the way I always felt like you got better when you played against older guys. And they really, you know, they, they put, they was physical with you. They was, you know, whether it was playing basketball or football. So that's kind of how I grew up.
0: So I, I grew up learning how to play basketball in the, in the inner city. Right. So okay. I played basketball a little bit different than a suburban kid because mm-hmm. I had to be a little bit tougher. I was one of the only white guys playing and, gotcha. and, 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 you know, if you cried, that's what they wanted. Correct. No, you know, you're not getting it out of me, but it taught me how to be so much better. Unfortunately, I try to teach my kids that i think i might need to bring them down to like newark or patterson have them play with some guys who really play some basketball and just to toughen them up a little bit but uh yeah you take an elbow in the mouth and you better shut up
2: that's
1: just how it was back then if you're gonna cry you're you're gonna lose they're (laughs) they're gonna they're (laughs) gonna smell that weakness and you're done but here's the cool thing here's Mm -hmm. the cool thing if you
0: showed that you had some heart and showed that you were a little tough Right. The respect was earned relatively quickly.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. It really was. You got acceptance. Yeah. Cause. And that's, and that's what I think mm-hmm. everybody was fighting for. So those older kids, did they give you a little guff? Did they accept you? Or did they give you a little hard time?
2: Yeah. they No, they accepted me. You know, like I said, they knew I was, I was young, but I still had a big body. I had a, a, a teenage body at a very young age. So they really, you know, respected that I, I was blessed with pretty good speed to be my size. And, and, and quickness and, you know, big hands and all those type of things that athletes, you know, today or, or possess. And I had that at that time. And then I think they started really being impressed with the mental game when I started understanding. Cause like I said, I used to watch TV. I used to read the books and then go outside and try to practice it.
0: Now, when did the, the coaches, cause we had talked off air that there wasn't mm-hmm. any junior league football at the time. Right. Um, when did, the coaches start like how did you get involved in football if there's no junior league it's just going outside playing street ball but eventually you had to get into some organized game right well
2: my mother didn't want me to go to one of the, the city schools so she i didn't know anything about seton hall prep at all i didn't know anything about it wait a minute you went to seton hall
0: prep never playing football
2: yes never played football. oh God. never played football <laughs> i i Truly am what you would call a diamond in the rough. Nobody knew about me. I didn't know about Seton Hall. The the running joke is I used to play when I was 13. I was playing in the baseball league. And, you know, we were talking about what high school we was going to go to. And once I realized I was going to Seton Hall, I was sitting there. We was It was the baseball team. We was talking. I was like, I can't wait to see all the girls and da-da-da-da. And they were laughing at me. I'm like, what are you guys laughing for? <laughs> like, Tone, Seton Hall is an all-boys school. I had no clue. Yeah. I really, it's, it's a true story. I had no Why do you clue. think
1: Mike went there? The, <laughs> the only girls we saw were when we were changing classes and the college girls would walk back. Correct. Yeah. We happened to be right in the middle of <laughs> Seton Hall
2: University when we went there. But, you know, the first freshman practice, we were running around, and um, Coach Cal Cagno, he was, said, uh, Al Cal. Al, it wasn't, yeah, it was Al Cal. And then he said, uh, cause I, he said, what position you want to play? I think I said linebacker. He said, you ever play defensive end? I said, no. He said, well, you are now. And that's kind of how it started. Isn't that funny that the position finds you? Yes.
0: You know, I'm, I'm worried about that with certain kids. Like my kid in general, he, he's grown so fast and he's always been a lineman because of his okay. size. He's always been at the top tier of the weight. Right. But he's more like he's more built like a D end. OK. Um, I don't know if that's going to change when he gets into high school and
2: I don't mm-hmm. ever want him to get pigeonholed. Did you ever feel pigeonholed just p- getting put at the end? Well, no, I actually didn't because, as we talked about, Jack Lambert was my favorite player, but he was an inside guy. My body type wasn't set for it being an inside linebacker. You usually be a little shorter, a little stouter. You're Those more rangy. I'm more rangy. So being on the outside, whether outside linebacker, depending on what, if we run a 3-4 defense, or just a stand-up defensive end, which we end up playing at Seton Hall. That was the perfect position for me. 5-2 monster. Yes.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Now, there inevitably comes a point in every person's football career when you take a shot and you wake up. You Most kids have it happen in junior league football. Mm-hmm. You didn't play that. You get on the field in high school, and all of a sudden you take a pop for the first time. Was it yes
2: or uh-oh? Well, actually, my first pop that really woke me up was playing streetball against the older guys. And they, you know, they run in certain plays and and like a, a guard is pulling. And I don't I'm, I don't know how to put my head on a swivel yet. So he ear holes me and <laughs> knocks me into a tree. So those type of things, that's kind of where I, I started growing up. High school. Seriously, really. Was I don't want to say easy, but I, I didn't have many problems in high school as
1: far as. But when I got to college, that's when it started. You started seeing. But that. you see, like like Tony on offense, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. they switched you around. I think like yes, your your junior year, I think you were a tackle. They moved me to offensive tackles. We
2: had to play and both then, ways. And then senior mm-hmm. year, they moved you to tight, tight end. end. Correct. That's it, correct.
0: It, but did it give you? A little perspective on what you wanted to do. Like, at what point did did this one to say, you know what, I, I want to go further with this stuff? And I think playing both sides of the line gives you a little bit more perspective right. where you can specialize in really what your love is.
2: Well, I always love defense. And like I say we go back to the Steelers, even though, you know, they had the Bradshaw and the Swans, but the Steel curtain, was, Steel curtain was the thing. And I just gravitated to defense.
0: See, I was always a Mean Joe Green guy. I'm sorry. Absolutely, I he's, I was he's offense, the anchor. I was offense all day long. LC, LC Greenwood, Mean was, Joe Green, I love him. I was waiting for to get a jersey thrown at me, <laughs> or LC Greenwood, even that to crush the
1: can. Sincerely, he, he, LC Greenwood. He went, he went to Steelers games carrying a coke with him, right <laughs> just in case he ran into Mean Joe Green. <laughs> yes, I always was a defensive player. So, but
2: I know in high school. I always said if you if you was worth your salt you had to play on both sides a lot of scrimmage because we didn't have as many kids as they have now they got like a hundred. People on the team now. I don't
1: even know how many we had back then, but we had to play on both sides. But
2: well, especially it, somebody
0: like you, you're gonna you're gonna play both ways. It's just but if you
1: remember correct. the freshman team, they only had a certain amount because they only had a certain amount of jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely a different time. Oh, now, my God. Now, they, had, they had like thirty jerseys and they, they only kept like thirty guys because they had no more jerseys
0: back then. <laughs> now your parents. In Newark, they want to mm-hmm. give their son a better education, right? And I'm I'm assuming it was they. You went to Seton Hall for the education reasons, not so correct. much for the football, correct? Um, mm-hmm. what was it? What was the cost? Of st- I mean, it, you know, you're talking ancient times, so it was probably what fifty dollars a year?
2: No, I no, guess. it was it was it was actually.
1: I want to say it was like twelve hundred. It yeah. went up two hundred every year. Yeah, I think yeah, I, th- I think it was like I vaguely remember like $1,200, twelve $1, hundred, fourteen hundred, fourteen sixteen like between yeah. sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred. We were out. But we that was were, a decent we amount of money. But our, yes, I, I remember back was. in the day Del Barton was like five thousand dollars. Yes. Like, oh, five thousand for, yes. for high yes. school. It and was did, mm-hmm. did it ever put a
2: financial strain on your parents? Well, my father had a um a house cleaning service where um he had thirty employees working for him where they would have uh seven um station wagons with four people to a to um a car and they would go out to different households and had the crew, you know, cleaning up the house, bathrooms, beds, vacuuming floors, all that. So he had a really successful business in his 70s. So, you know, me being young and not recognizing it until I got older, that I was very blessed that he was able to do that and I would be able to ride with them because he actually had his uh, place in Orange, which was not too far from South Orange. So it it made everything work well for me.
0: You know, the last thing to mature in any kid is, is... The lack of selfishness because kids mm-hmm. are kids are inherently selfish. It's not their Absolutely. fault. It's the way they're born, and you don't see the sacrifices that your parents make in order to make your life better. Yes, a lot of times. And you know, it sounds like your parents were all in on you.
2: They they were all in on all of us, really. Um, how many kids? How many kids you grew up with? Uh, I had a, two. Two. I had an older sister and a younger brother. Okay, Daryl and my brother Daryl. He actually played with me. Played like, at Pitt also, right? Yeah, yeah, he went to Pitt also. Played at Seton Hall for a couple years, and he went. He finished up at Elizabeth High School. And then we played together at Pitt, so it was it was it was a great thing. Oh, you got to play with your brother, yeah, yeah. That was that was big. And brother was a great athlete. Yeah. Too. Besides, if he didn't get hurt, he would he would have made the NFL also.
0: So you're you're I'm imagining you're getting recruited by everybody down the line. You know, you're uh-huh. you're this standout player at Seton Hall Prep and mm-hmm. uh, all American. Now, the pressure starts hitting. Yes, and yeah, the pressure starts hitting. Like, what was that like when you're
2: getting you're getting offers mm-hmm. from all these? you know, big division one schools. Right. It it really became exhausting. Um I think uh Coach Feducci helped me a lot. And but he I think Coach Feducci uh he went to Pitt. He went to Pitt himself. Uh but everybody associated with uh, Penn State because he reminded yeah, people. Paterno. He was, good friend, he was good friends with, with Joe Paterno, Paterno, and our uniforms looked just like. See, I mean, look like uh, Penn State. Yeah, our high school uniforms look like Notre Dame. I swear, see, yeah. exactly.
1: We didn't have stripes on our helmet. No. We had nothing. Hmm. I think we had a stripe on our pants. That was blue, about it. Blue stripe, black. <laughs> we were just like Penn State. We were just like Penn that. State.
2: Yeah. So, um, as I started getting recruited, I, I really was recruited by over three hundred colleges, and.
1: And because all, we, all the major colleges. Too. Yeah, all, yeah, the, all you know, the major colleges. We're not saying Montclair State was knocking on the door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all the of, all of, all of big schools. But um,
2: it started getting, I mean, I was getting letters coming to the house all the time and then people trying to, you know, make get visits and all those type of things. But I was very conscious of my family and I wanted my parents to see me play. So I didn't want to go out to California. Now, USC, besides Pitt, was my favorite team coming up. OJ fan. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: I wanted to go visit out there, but I didn't. And Nebraska at that time were was one of the best yeah. programs around. I didn't go visit them, but I wanted because I wanted my parents to come see me play. So my five visits, you get five official visits. I went to Pitt, Penn State, Notre Dame, West Virginia and Maryland. My mother thought I was going to Notre Dame. My father thought I was going to Penn State. Is that the Lou Holtz days? No, it was no, Jerry Jerry the Faust, Jerry, Faust. Jerry Faust day.
1: Yeah, I was hoping you went to Notre Dame. <laughs>
2: <it>? <laughs> and um, I ended up going to Pitt. Uh, like I said, Pitt was my team. And I I also, I said I studied. They were putting uh, defensive guys in the
1: NFL, like, constantly. So that was something that I focused on also. That's, what I was gonna, that's the reason you went to Pitt? Because they were pumping out defensive That was one of the reasons. And, and, and it, you liked them growing up. You got to remember, I grew up in Newark. And Seton Hall, you know, we
2: had the the penny loafers, the ties, couldn't have. So me being a city, I wanted the city life and the college life. So Notre Dame was just like going right back to Seton Hall again. Uh Penn State was great, but if you left the campus, you was in nothing but farmland. Yeah, you were in the country. You was in the country. So Pitt gave us the city life 10 minutes down the block plus the campus life. So unless I just didn't like it, I was going to go there. And you were a Steelers
0: fan. Absolutely, <laughs> all of that. So you were recruited in a time when the NCAA violations probably were a little looser than they are now?
2: Did, De- you, did Definitely you, looser than they were now. Did yes. you ever see any chicanery, mm-hmm. should we say? Um, I, I didn't get the $500 handshakes that I know a lot of people did. And, I mean, put it this way, I know fact, some, some facts. Some of the guys in college, when we got to the pros, they took a pay cut when they went to the
1: versus <laughs> college. I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm not gonna mention. I'm not gonna mention names, but there was a running back from Pesek that went to Pitt, and his parents are driving around with a brand new Cadillac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, like I said, it,
2: it it happens. Um, but honestly, I could say I didn't have those. I didn't. I didn't have that. I don't know. I, I came out like I said, all American and all those things, but. You know, we we didn't outside of getting that Pell Grant money. That's all we did. So the mm-hmm. the your parents sound like incredibly
0: caring individuals. Yes, I'm sure your parents are looking at, the, hey, listen, Tony, great that you're going to play football. Right. What about the education?
2: That was my mom, um, and I'm thank God I, I I ended up graduating from Pitt before she passed away because that's what she wanted the most. She she wanted me to she wanted me to get my education and degrees and then we we'll get into it but once I left the NFL you go through a, the little depression oh absolutely you go through a depression and she always told me and still sticks me to, with me today she said Tony football is what you did that's not who you are and it helped me through some dark days because she always said you know you're you're good at football but you're way more than that. And she always wanted me to prom- promise her that I was going to graduate, and I actually can- did that in 2013. I got my uh, BA in communications. Oh, good for you, man! Yeah, that's great. Now and you
0: you're playing for your you pick pit. Mm-hmm. Was was college football a you know, eye eye opening experience for you?
2: College football was the only time that I ever thought about quitting football. Really? It's, yeah. it's listen. Um, It's a job. It's a a job. And that's what I didn't realize. Like I told you, high school kind of was easy for me on the football field. It was tough as far as, you know, the dudes, we out there late night, we played on a dust field, all those things. (laughs) Astro dirt. Plus, Seat Hall (laughs) was a very tough educational school, so you really had to study and do those things. But see,
1: in high school, after practice is over, you go home. Right. In college, they own you. Yes. You know, you got after practice is over you got meetings you got this you got that right. and
2: it's all different now you know we were actually doing triple sessions you know they, that's like unheard of now yeah, yeah, we know. literally did that in my first two weeks my my best friend Reggie Smith who went to Bayonne High School he uh, after the first two weeks of training camp he was like I don't know if I want to do this he was like Tone I can't go home my parents not going to let me and I was like well we just we just hung in and once we got to the you know, week three week four of the of the training camp, we started we started feeling better. But um, like I said, I was blessed with a lot of uh, gifts. But I didn't lift a lot of weights. I didn't do a lot lot of that stuff in high school. We didn't even have we, a weight room.
1: We didn't. Yeah, we didn't have a weight room in high school,
2: yeah. so it was different. Some guys just love to eat weights. I like I said, I I was pretty much physically blessed, and I was able to run. And all I did was curls. That's all I did. Yeah, yeah. Curly, curly, my heart, curls for the girls. For the girls. That's curls, curls for Curls girls. That's, that's it. all yeah. it was. But when I went to college, that was a awakening. And I'll tell you one quick story that set my whole college career off. When we got to pit uh, all the freshmen came in, and we went in the weight room. And the, weight, the strength coach is named Buddy Morris. He's been in the pros now. But Buddy Morris was the one that helped me get into the pros. But my first year, we got a 225. We had to lift it. You got guys doing it 15 times, 16 times. You know, I'm All-American and all this. You got DBs doing it 10, 11. I pushed up 225 two times and he said, holy shit, are you serious? You are all American. This uh, And it, it embarrassed me. But it, it jump-started everything for me and then as I went through my career, once I got stronger, I said, they can't block me. It's, I already know they couldn't block me but I only lifted 225 two times. First and yet, there.
0: and yet, look at what happened. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they put a lot of emphasis on their strength. Even when I went to school and we're mm-hmm. talking early 90s, they put a huge amount. And and unfortunately, the pressure is there, especially at that time, to take some sort of performance enhancer in order to to meet those expectations. I think when I came in as a freshman, I did two and a quarter, like 10 times. But guess mm-hmm. what? When I came in as a sophomore, I did it 29
1: times. Do you think that's? Do you think that's real? <laughs> there's vitamin. There's vitamins that people used to take back in. Yeah, day. yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you think that was <laughs> real? Of course it wasn't. <laughs> of course. And, and this is D three. This is nothing compared to the level that you played on. And I the, like I. I try to wrap my head around mm-hmm. the job mentality because even in D three it was a job. You had triple sessions during Correct. camp and then you meetings and stuff like this. They took care of you and they did a great job. Yes. But now you're you're playing at this, ultra. Prestigious college, this high-level mm-hmm. football program with some of the greats. I mean, you just mm-hmm. missed Dan Marino, right? Quarterback and one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Right. Just, it's just a, a level that is unfathomable to me. But it's it's so cool because people see where you are, where you went, mm-hmm. but they don't see all the they don't see all the the self doubt, the background you, stuff. When you hit that two twenty five twice. Like Correct. what the hell, you know? Uh, maybe I'm not what I thought I was. Right,
2: and 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 it, it, that's that's a that's a great point. Um, you know, everybody sees the winning the championships; they don't see the groundwork and the things you have to go through. Because there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of people telling you can't do this. Some people come in as freshmen and they're taking care of their family. You know, the people that's older than them, people don't know the responsibility that they have. Um, when I came in. My freshman year in high school, I mean, my freshman year in college, I actually had a daughter my senior year in high school. So now I got the responsibility that, you know, not only trying to go through school and graduate, I have to have a daughter I have to take care of. So, you know, thank, thankful I had great parents to help help do that. It, when they used to come see me play, would bring my daughter with me, my daughter Crystal and everything. So it was, it was those type of pressures. And like I said, now you have the pressure of being All-American and this and that. They expect you. I never thought I was going to be starting mine. Freshman year, like I told you I was a student of a game. All I knew, I needed two years. I needed my junior and my senior year to be healthy and to play, and i will be able to have a shot at it.
0: Well, do you think playing longer reduces that because of the injury factor? Like you, mm-hmm. you want those two years, and you want two healthy years
2: to make to go Correct.
0: further. Playing four years, there's a higher risk of injury.
2: There's definitely a higher risk of injury. And back then, we played on that AstroTurf, which yeah, that was oh, a,
0: a terrible AstroTurf. Right on top man. of the Montclair City, University used to have it. I Montclair, played on it once. Say, yeah. Awful. Yeah,
2: we awful. played on it, and sometimes we practiced on it. So I I, did, I, did, I didn't get hurt in high school, but I started having ankle problems when I, when I went to college and those type of things. So I used to love when we played at Penn State. They played on grass, Notre Dame. It was grass. Those type of things. You
0: know, it's amazing they didn't learn that lesson from that crap AstroTurf. And (laughs) thank God it's a long-gone dinosaur. I mean, just look at the NFL. Look at the quarterbacks who lasted forever. You got the Dan Marinos. You Mm -hmm. got the John Elways. You got the Terry Bradshaws. And they played on grass. And then look at the great quarterbacks whose career were cut. The Randall Cunninghams. Playing
1: in Philadelphia on that turf down in Veterans Stadium.
0: Which was Mm -hmm. god-awful. Randall Cunningham was a great running quarterback until he blew out his knee because of AstroTurf. Correct rg um, three, ama- yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing they didn't see that stuff earlier, and now the new stuff is like playing on a,
2: carpet. yeah, it is, it is now, but um, you know, back then at, uh, at ACL, you were you were done definitely for a year, year and a half, if you tore your Achilles, you were done, period. Yeah. You know, now these guys, not, of course, not a surgery. so it's a so, Yeah,
1: exactly. Absolutely, so much
2: different. absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just ask Patrick Mahomes how he could walk after the after the half oh, a
2: little, a little injection right yeah. in the right spot. He's Shut
0: good. Him up. Yeah, <laughs> he's coming out like he's thirteen years old again.
1: I, I, well, see, that, that, that's what I was going to get back to before. Like, you're you're in college. You're fighting for a position. Correct. The guy that's fighting for a position with you is taking the vitamins and right. getting bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that put pressure on you, to, like? To say, like, well, if he's doing it, he's going to win the job. Right. Well, that's
0: what you Brian know, Bosworth said. Yeah. Brian Bosworth actually said that. And I know you played with him. Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 I've i heard some things. Mm-hmm. But Brian Bosworth came out when he got popped for it. He said, how do you expect me to compete at a professional level with a guy across from me who I know is doing it? Right. we're talking about steroids, obviously. Right. Uh, who I know is doing it. And I'm a pro. This is what mm-hmm. I do for a living.
2: I got to do it. Well, when we got in the league, it was still rampant. And you could tell, particularly with the offensive linemen, you know they were tough and strong anyway. But when you got to pick on the line when they when they took it. It was like running into a brick wall that wouldn't move. When we had to get when they had to get off of it, still was hitting them hard. But it was it was some give to it. It didn't start until our second year. Me and Brasworth came in the first round together. I was in a regular draft. He came in a supplemental. So we played together. Um, but they didn't start testing for steroids until eighty eight, nineteen eighty eight, yeah. and. They you know, we didn't know that he was on it, but when he got off of it, yeah. he shriveled down. He's—you don't see too many linebackers that only wear eight shoe, eight <laughs> eight and a half shoe. Really? But yeah. No kidding. But one thing about Boz—he was fast. Boz right. could run. He could hit up. In um, retrospect, Boz was just in the wrong defense. Right. Uh, he's used—if you know about Oklahoma—we they ran Absolutely. that fifty-two They had all the big horses in front of him. When he came to Seattle, we ran a three-four. And right. the guards uncovered, you know, as okay. offense alignment, the guards got up on him and he couldn't, he couldn't, couldn't shake him. He couldn't move. But yeah. but one quick Boz story: how Boz was, Boz was a brand before most people. Dion came after us. Deion Sanders became prime a prime the prime yeah. time, all of that. But oh yeah, he used to paint the sides of his head. One quick, Oklahoma, yeah. one quick story about Boz is like, um, we were get ready to play the Denver Broncos, going to Denver. And he's talking about all week how he's going to kill Elway, knock Elway out and all this. we like, why are you saying this? You know what I mean? We, we the one got to go against Elway and all this thing. So we end up going up there. We end up losing the game. Right. But, you know, everybody in the stands got these white Boss Buster shirts. We hate you. Boss sucks. All that type of stuff. After the game, we was like, we just asked him, like, yo, why are you was, you know, poking the bear? You know, Elway had a great game. He said, Tone, you see all those white shirts up in the stands? That's my company. So he just made a whole lot of money. This is 88, 87, 88. He just made a whole lot of money because he was branding it and everybody bought it.
0: So that, that's that's actually an Elvis story. So when the colonel was promoting Elvis, mm-hmm. he made two buttons. He made one button that says, I love Elvis. And he made one button that said, I hate Elvis. Wow. And the I I hate Elvis sold twice as many as the I love Elvis, but guess
1: who the money was going to? The Colonel. That's it. a yeah. hey, so, br- brilliant move. Yes, it, yeah. it, it really was. And he, he signed one of the first contracts, I think, with like Lloyd's of London or whatever. Where, Correct. Where if he gets hurt. He gets like eleven million dollars tax free or something like that. He had an insurance policy on himself. Mm-hmm. You start moving along in college, and mm-hmm. you're
0: you're there's potential. You know you're getting looks from pro teams. They right. you know that you got the eyes on you. The pressure had to be phenomenal.
2: The the pressure was definitely getting phenomenal, especially as I, because like I said, I was like a diamond in rough. Nobody saw me even at Pitt. Uh, my first year, I broke my ankle, so I only played a few. You know. A few games. Sophomore, I started getting a little bit a couple starts here and there, starting to be noticed. My junior year is when I hit the scene. I ended up with fifteen sacks and everything, you know, we didn't win as a team, but I I started to shine. I had the size, I had the speed. So everybody started really looking at me. So now my senior year, I'm not everybody knows where I am now. Now I'm getting double teamed and all those things. And I started up with thirteen sacks and all of everything. So right now I'm still number three in in at pit history in sacks. Really? Uh, right right before um, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald is fourth, I'm third, and then Hugh Green, those guys is number Hugh one. Ryan. So, uh, you start seeing those things, you start, you know, wondering about what can I do because the pressure is getting more and more and more. And I didn't go to like the hula bowl, all those bowl games cause because of that turf, I started having ankle problems. So I had to get ready for the draft. So I was starting to get worried I was already projected to be in the first round, but you don't know where. You know, you could easily go second or third if you don't perform.
0: Well, that was, uh, we had a young gentleman in here named Damon Hayes, played all four years at Rutgers. Mm -hmm. And and he talked a little bit about the pressure. He was supposed to go sixth round or something like that. And guess what? His phone never rang. Yeah. And it it had to be heartbreaking because you devote the better part of your young adult life to making this dream happen. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. happen. But the funny thing about pressure is pressure can destroy you, but pressure
1: can also make diamonds. Correct. I was going to say your senior year, did you, did you feel the pressure to go out and outperform your your, yourself? You know, get more sacks, do this, do that. Yeah, I definitely felt the pressure because now you're starting to get
2: the, the press, you know, people, you know, now people know who you are. Like I said, I showed up out of nowhere, but now people know who you are. So, yes, the pressure of, uh, you know, with holding up the image of the the team, um, yourself, your family. And, of course, you know, you want to make it. You want to be able to help your your family and and those type of things. So it seems like the weight of the world is starting to come on. you. Even though my family never made me feel that way, it was things I wanted to do for them. So I kind of put – plus
1: I had a daughter also, so it was things I, I needed to do. If you had, like, a bad game, did you just, like, go back and sit in your room like, Jesus Christ, you know, I, I screwed up my chance of going to the NFL or something like that?
2: Actually, a bad game was worse when you were in the NFL. If you lost – I don't know, but it's because it's, – well, it's not many games in college either, but it was like a funeral when you lost a game in NFL because there's so many jobs on the line. You know, it just – it really – it was actually – College was pressure, but it was more pressure in the NFL when
0: well, that's it came your, to that. That's your job. And if you don't perform in your job, guess Correct. what? You're not
1: going to be in that job for very long. Correct. Yeah. And you got a bunch of young bucks coming up every year. All the time. Every, all every the time. year. Uh, so you, the,
0: dra- the night of the
1: draft,
2: where were you? I was in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. My agent, Bruce Allen, he was the son of uh, the late, great George Allen, who used to coach the, the Redskins, the Redskins yeah. back then. Um, you know, he had he always kept the he he lived in Phoenix, but he always had a a draft party for the guys he he had going in the draft that particular year. So, you know, it flew me my my parents out, my brother and sister. Oh, your parents got uh, the experience. Oh yeah, all, yeah, oh, everybody. Beautiful. It was it was beautiful. And um, you know, he told me what the procedure was. I still was projected to go in the first round, and he said, "Uh, Tony, they're usually gonna call you if you know." Whatever round it is, they're going to call you because they don't want to draft somebody that maybe got locked up. Unfortunately, you may have died and you're wasting a draft pick, all those type of things. So they will
1: call you and speak to you first. Or, or, or had that mask drafted. on with the, the, the weed smoking. <laughs> that was that guy a couple of years ago. He got oh, dropped a, in a draft for that. Yes,
0: that yeah. was a great experience, though. Yeah, yeah so you, you go number one. Mm-hmm. What was the look like in your parents' eyes? No, what well, well, let's go back. What okay. was the phone
1: call like?
2: Well, yeah, that's that's a great point. Um well, first of all, I was projected to go anywhere from 10 to 20. That's what that's where they thought I was going to go. The team that showed interest was the Cincinnati Bengals at 17, the Seattle Seahawks at 18. Rumors were that the Miami Dolphins at the Miami Dolphins was a little bit ahead, maybe at 12 and the 49ers. Those four teams were interested. 49ers told me they were drafted in the 20s. It's like, Tony, if you're here we'll take you, but we don't think you're going to be here. Now, the week before the draft, Marty Schottenheimer, who used to used to coach the Cleveland, he's a Pitt alumni also. He came to work me out at Pitt. Usually you don't get a head coach that comes work yeah. you out. He actually worked me out. He, and they drafted in the 20s. He said, Tony, if you're here, we need a linebacker. If you're here, but we don't think you're going to be here, we'll draft you. Draft day. Chris Berman, everything's going on. Fourth pick in the draft. First round. Cleveland Brown makes a trade from the 20th and move up to 4th. I'm getting excited. I just know a week ago, I just worked out for the head coach. He said he needs a linebacker. But I also remember my coach, I mean, my um agent telling me that they will call you first. So they made the pick. It was a guy named um Trey Junkin who went to Kentucky. I think he played two or three years. and.
1: He was done. So. Played pretty Eagles, I believe. Wasn't Trey Junkin' an Eagle? Uh, name doesn't sound familiar, but that he just might not. Uh, Trey Junkin' it. was a, uh, no, he had a, another brother. Um,
2: no, Mike Junkin'. Trey, Trey Junkin' is his brother. Mike Junkin' was the one that came from Kentucky. He was the one that went to, uh, Cleveland. But Trey Junkin', I, I actually played with Trey Junkin', uh, with the Seahawks too. He was a long snapper. He was, he was very good. And a tight end. Played with the Raiders and all that. But so then after that, going all the way down, Cincinnati Bengals picked uh, uh, Jason Buck from BYU in the 17th pick. Then the phone rings. I pick it up. Hey, Tony, this is Chuck Knox from the Seattle Seahawks. He said, We have the next pick here and we wanted to know, would you like to be a Seahawk? I'm like, excited. Of course, Coach. Got I look at my family, okay. give them the thumbs up. He said, Okay, we're about to give the announcement. I think ESPN was going to a commercial, but they made the announcement. And I gave a thumbs up. Everybody in the room is screaming and crying, and it was awesome feeling. It you really just was. became a superstar.
0: You're a kid. You're <laughs> yes. a kid. Yeah. And most kids yeah. can't handle that.
1: 22 so years old, maybe? 20, 21. 21.
0: 21 years old, you just mm-hmm. became a professional athlete. Top of the food chain Correct. for something that you showed promise in, never playing junior league football it's a true success story. It's actually a beautiful thing that you got to experience that in that room with your parents mm-hmm. looking in your parents'
2: eyes face to face. Yes. Yes. It was, it was, it was amazing. Um, I had a lot of support. Um, luckily you didn't get catfished during the the process. <laughs> That's a whole other. <laughs> wow. But yeah, no, it was, it was a great experience. Uh, my whole neighborhood, you know, in, in the city of Newark, they showed me a lot of love. Um, Hometown hero. Home, yeah, I was I was a hometown hero. And, you know, even I I don't know, the Woods family in general always got a lot of respect and um because we tried to do it the right way. Um and even to change this course a little bit, even when I came back to Newark, you know, you go out, I mean I'm in a I'm in i I'm in the Seahawks, I've been there three, four years. You come back, you go hang out, you at partying. If something was about to go down, they'd like Tone, it's time for you to get out of here. I'm like, huh? Tone, so, it's time for you to leave, yeah. something's about to happen. So, you know, they, they, they protected me, you know, anything could be going on that I have no clue about. I took
1: the advice and, and then left. You were like the neighborhood heroes that were looking out for you. Really. Correct.
2: Yeah. Correct.
0: Well, you know, some, if you look down the line of professional athletes for the last 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. you wish people would look out for them the same way your community looked out for you, like a Len bias, you know, somebody <sighs> like that, just tragedy after tragedy, yes. after tragedy, and it's good that they protected you. But right. I hate to tell you, you're a Jersey guy and Jersey mm-hmm. people are very very odd. It's I don't care mm-hmm. where you go. Hey, that's Tony Woods from New Jersey. You know, <laughs> and they take a lot of pride in that like he's one of ours.
2: Correct. Correct. I mean, that goes for all, th- you know, we have a lot of uh industry people in the, in the movies and a lot of people from Jersey. It's a small state, but it's, it produces yeah. a lot of
0: I wonder if the other st- other states in the union have that like you know, if I'm from Nebraska, oh, that's a Nebraska kid. I don't think they have that same pride that New Jersey has in their own
2: people who make it to right. the next level. That That's what makes Jersey special. I mean, you know.
1: Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, you know, New York has the reputation, but Jersey, we stand on our own. Yeah. We stand on our own. But, you know, and, and that's even going back to Seton Hall Prep. We mm-hmm. have that seat and hall prep pride. Absolutely, you know. Once you, I mean, I'll be driving down the street, see someone with an SHP sticker on a car, and we stopped at the red light. I will roll down the windows. Who goes to seat and hall prep? You know, That's right. It, it, it's that that camaraderie. You was, know, I say all the time. You know, I was born in, born and raised in Lily White, North Arlington. Okay, I never met a black person until I went to high school. Wow, right. and it was Tony. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you exactly who it was. Three of them: Brian Johnson, Darren Johnson, and Kyle Jackson. Wow, really? Three first black people. I still talk to them to this day. Because you have no pre- preconceived notions. You know what I Correct. You know, I, I say, I tell Kevin all the time, you put two white kids, two black kids, two Hispanic kids, two Asian kids on a playground. They're going to play all day That's yes, what until, they're until do. someone gets in their head. Correct. I had no preconceived notions about any other race. I didn't know people were different. I still talk to Brian. I talked to Brian yesterday. Absolutely. When you're playing for the Seahawks, okay. obviously there was a jump from high school,
0: from Seton Hall to Pitt. Right. What's the difference between going from a high level college to the pros, aside from the pressure, as far as the level of play? Well, I
2: always felt the biggest jump is from high school to college. The speed, the speed, the playbooks, everything changes. Plus, the pressure of you still having to, you know, go to school and do those type of things. You got a social life. Is I, I think it's different now because they have you only can have spend a certain amount of time doing this and doing that. Back in our time, it was just like a full time job. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it was hard. But when you get from the, the difference between uh, college and the pros is that they're only going to tell you twice. You can't keep making the mistakes going over because it's a business. And and it, and it was many times, you know, you see somebody on a Monday, but on a Thursday they cut, they're gone. I actually didn't make a whole lot of friends unless I knew you was already on the team for a while or you were high draft pick. I didn't. Become too friendly with you because it was a good chance she was going to, you know, not make the team, and it was, uh, that's rough.
0: I've seen that on such a smaller scale. the The pastor of my church is mm-hmm. the Jets chaplain, so you get a lot okay. of Jets players coming in through church. And I've mm-hmm. seen personally probably f- five or seven people that came in who I got to know, and then mm-hmm. one day they're they're gone. Yes. They're yes. gone. And it's it's a sin because I really like these people; they're good human beings. Mm-hmm. And then they're going, I like, oh, Grant got traded to Miami, and and yep. Dan got traded to the Reds uh, to Washington, correct? It's a, or San Fran. Mm-hmm. And um, they probably left because they didn't want to be by you anymore. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Listen, Grant Herman's he was so tall. He could. He was around everybody at once. That <laughs> son of a gun was six foot nine. They they wow. list him at six eight. He's probably six ten. He was gigantic. Wow. But you're in that high level of play, doing very very well. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Uh, I mean, you played against again, in the eighties. You played against some just legends,
2: right? I mean, I think every generation has their legends. Um, at that time, I always felt during my. Ten years in the league, uh, John Elway was the best to me. I played against him. We were in the same division. Seattle was in the AFC back then, and it was the Seahawks, the Denver Broncos, the Raiders, San Diego Chargers, and the Kansas City Chiefs. That that was the AFC West back then. So
1: Elway to me you had was to the play best. Elway twice a
2: year. Yeah, twice a year. So I played them twelve times, easy. So I played Elway, Dan Marino, Joe Montana. Did you ever sack Joe Montana? Yes, we, we played. <laughs> we played them. We played them every every preseason too, and then a couple times during the regular season. But we played them every preseason. Uh, Warren Moon and uh, Warren Moon was Warren, big. People, Warren Moon was tough. was tough, solid. He had, a, he had he threw the prettiest pass, man. He really did. But he had that,
0: he had that nice like if Joe my, if Joe DeMa- or Ted Williams swing was a quarterback throw, yes. I'd have to say it's Warren Moon. Warren
2: Moon, I agree. I agree. Yeah. A lot of people don't don't know that, but yeah, I played against some great, you know, Troy Aikman, young Troy Aikman coming up. I Played against uh, a man from uh, Philly, uh, Randall, Randall Cunningham. Cunningham,
1: all of those type of guys. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think your career highlight is in the NFL? When he came out of Giant Stadium and I yelled out his name. And he came over and said hi to me.
0: Actually that was your greatest. That's your greatest <laughs> NFL moment.
2: Well, second sack, sacking um John Elway was definitely one of my one of my highlights. Like I said, because we played him he was so tough. He was strong. Uh he's 6'3, whatever, 235, and he had a cannon of an arm. Um when,
1: quick quick release too.
2: Quick yeah, quick,
1: quick release. release.
2: He, he was he was he was special. Um few things that people probably don't know. The fastest quarterback I ever played against. Most people would think it was Randall Cunningham, but it was actually Steve Young. Really, Steve really. Young could run, man. That's crazy. I mean, he literally is like a four-four type of guy. And running. he was
0: a—he wasn't a physically imposing guy. Either. No, I think he
2: ran more scared. But he, he
0: <laughs> I, listen, he, when he you're could, running
1: scared, you can run real well, fast. Yes, I, use, run, I,
0: I use Steve Young as a cautionary tale because there's a guy who should have been starting quarterback on any other team yeah, in right. the NFL, yet he's second to the greatest quarterback, arguably one of the greatest, greatest quarterbacks ever. Correct. You know, that's a that's a tough thing.
2: And it happens it happens that way. Think about um, well, Thurman Thomas in college. Thurman Thomas behind him was Barry Sanders. Yeah. Anybody knew Barry Michigan State, right? Yeah. No, um, Oklahoma State.
1: Oklahoma State. Oklahoma you're State. Right, right. State. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember
0: that. Now, you move on in your NFL career. Okay. The, you're getting a little older. Mm-hmm. Body's not recovering so much. Right. When you start seeing the signs that this is coming to an end, because what I know about the NFL is right. it stands for not for long.
2: Correct. I knew around week – I mean, not week. I knew about year seven I was slowing down. Um, My first bad experience – Basically, it was my first time I ever got fired it was after my sixth year. That was You were with the Seahawks I was for with six the years. Seahawks for six years. Yeah, how,
1: how, did, how did that come down when they told you, like, we no longer need you? Um, it was the day before the last cut.
2: I was at a friend's house. And um, at that time, Tom Flores, Chuck Knox had left and went to the Rams. Tom Flores, the legendary uh, Raiders coach, was our coach at the Seahawks. He called me in the office. You know, he showed me respect. He wanted me to, to find out before everybody else found out. He came in. And this is when it was more of a business. At that time, I believe I was making about six, seven hundred thousand. And there was some other people, younger guys, that they were paying a hundred and something thousand. But you saw some promise in them. This is the business part of it. Basically, me we could pay three people what we're paying you. Yeah. I knew I was slowing down. They knew I was slowing down. And they, that's just the business part of it. So they said, Tony, we're going to let you go. We're going to release you. He said, I don't think we'll be able to bring you back because I'm sure somebody else is going to release you. But I found out later, Chuck Knox, who was with the Seahawks and went to the Rams, he told him, if you let him go, we're going to take him. You're not getting him back. And so I was out of out of work for about three or four days. But it was devastating. That was the first time I've ever
1: was fired. Almost like, like a-, a taste of failure for the first time in your Correct. life. Correct. Yeah correct but
0: but that you 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 were playing at such a high level for so long and you were a superstar for so long Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden you're like it's it had to be just an unknown experience for you
2: it was but you've seen other people you've seen it happen to other people now it's happening to you um you know most people just like anything would love to retire or or leave on their own terms that was the first time that I've ever been fired from any type of job, and that's what it is. It's a firing. You could call it trade, whatever cut, cut, you reduce, got fired. Whatever, same. It's just, it's the same thing. So that was devastating. I think at the time I was still only what twenty six, maybe twenty seven,
0: um, and and that happened. So you you finally get picked up. Was it a relief? Did it light a fire under your
2: ass? Yeah, it lit a fire. Free agency hadn't started. It was um, the that was free... the that was the Lee on thing. It was it started yeah. in ninety three. It started, so I got released after the 92 season. So, um, like I said, I was out for about three or four days and the Rams picked me up. So I went to Anaheim and that's when free agency started. So in my mind, I was like, okay, let me play this year, try to do well and then try to get, get another long-term contract. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, I got cut toward the end of the end of preseason. So I didn't start. You know, I was a starter. I didn't start my first year. I ended up being a starter for five of the six years in Seattle. So now, after I got released, I went to the Rams. So I don't know the plays. I got to learn the plays. So I end up, you know, maybe playing starting like half the season. But I was able to do well enough, and then the Redskins or the Washington team picked me up after that, and I signed another three year deal, and I played three years with them. So was it was Regan still playing then? No, Riggins was gone. Um, Man with was the there? biggest
0: ass in football. <laughs>
2: The major guys there was um, Dal Green was still there. Was Jacoby the still Fame. there? Jacoby was gone. Um, the, the The Hogs, as you know, they yeah, were they were they gone. gone. That was that was the Super Bowl team, like ninety one and them. I was still with the Seahawks then. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so. You go to
0: you go to Washington. Mm-hmm. At what point is is it time to pull that ripcord?
2: Well, I wanted to, my goal coming in, not knowing. You know, you never know cuz there's a lot of reasons why you you leave the league. Obviously injury, you can leave the league, drugs. There's a lot of people who eat themselves out of the league, believe it or not. refrigerator <laughs> Perry. It's it's all kind of things and you know, so I knew once again I was slowing down um but my body's put it playing with Seahawks. We we had a great defense. We went 2 and 14, which was the worst year of my life football wise but we were in a top five defense and we had the defensive player of the year Cortez Kennedy but we only won two football games
0: hmm.
2: how you have a defensive player of the year you're 2 <laughs> and 14 but that year it was like the average team was playing about 50 snaps a game we were playing 80, 85 snaps a game so even though I played 10 years my body felt like I played 13 years because we were on the field so much And plus, we had a coach, uh, North Turner, who used to be the offensive coordinator with the Cowboys when they won their Super Bowls. All we did was hit, hit, hit. The 49ers had the—everybody know the 49ers. They were—45 minutes of practice, they were hit, and everything else, they took the pads off. They still practiced fast, but they did it without hitting. So, you know, I was what they call a tweener. I was a big linebacker, but I was a small defensive end. So when we drafted Cortez Kennedy, I went from my outside linebacker. I asked, could I move my position, and I played my last six years playing defensive ends. But I was a small defensive end, so my body started slowing down.
1: And that's hitting every play, hitting all the time, every play, every
2: play. That's gotta, you now that's got to kill your psyche. Yeah, it does. It does, and that's where you you know you still have to work out. You, you got a family. You got a wife.
1: You got children. Um, or you could go the Lyle Alzado route. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> HGH and all that yeah, stuff.
0: Yeah, Lyle Alzado. He, right. Now, as sympa- I always saw Lyle Alzado as an extraordinarily sympathetic, sympathetic character because he <laughs> was trying to hang on to his dream. Yeah, And then, listen, when he was on, he was a maniac. <laughs> I, I'm not discounting. He was a maniac. Rips that guy's helmet off and throws it oh, at yeah, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but towards the end of his career, when he's trying to hang on to something, you <laughs> have to compete at such a high level, and, and you're so pot
2: committed to what you do. No wonder he did whatever he had to do. That's right. That's a great word, pot
1: committed, because that's exactly what he was. And a lot of people are like that. Um, well, I mean, that's getting back to what we were saying before about, like, if, if you're fighting for a position, the other guy's doing stuff. Right. He's going to get the job over you. So why shouldn't I do it? And he and Zedo was trying to hold on to his career. Right. And it was, did what it he was had rapid. to do.
2: It was rapid back then. You know, guys still got was still testing steroids and they would get penalized for it. And then. I didn't know much about the HGH thing until later on. That's that was replacing the steroids, I guess, and that's what and right because it, it doesn't show up. Correct, it doesn't show up as quickly or whatever the case was. But now I was blessed that it, I never nobody ever offered it to me. I knew people who were doing it. I didn't even know how to do it. But like I said, I was I was, I was blessed. I was fortunate. that I didn't even have to do it. But I know understand. I do understand. Why people do it?
0: Well, that same person I was telling you who's the Jets chaplain, his name's Adam Burton. He he played mm-hmm. professional hockey for fourteen years, and he tells wow. a story. He goes into the weight room one day, and you know he's trying to hang on. He's scared every day the fourteen years that he played that he's going to get cut. Correct. But he goes into the gym one day, and you know, first couple days of the season, and one of the guys from last year is like, "Whoa, what the hell happened to you?" Mm-hmm. So it, it was across everything. But again, you you have to do what you have to do, right? But at what point was it all right? Was it was it your decision did you leave on your
2: own terms or was it the Redskins <laughs> it, it was it was Redskins decision um I got released and then I still wanted to play I still felt like I had a definitely a, a year but maybe two because like I said man, my goal was 12 years from the start um I finished with 10 I went to a couple I went to Minnesota I went to Denver you know not tryouts but just to to come in and they were interested and it was like if this happens then we we will pick you up that but it never happened. After a year, then I started losing the desire. Um, you know, body just starting to you're older now. I think I was technically thirty one. <laughs> you're an old man in the NFL at <laughs> yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And um it started getting tough and then you got the coaches that you knew when they start leaving. You know, now you got the younger coaches coming in who don't know you and and that's kinda how you just, just fade away. Then mm-hmm. you had to be standing out in the middle of nowhere
0: going, What do I do next? What next?
2: Yes, because the guys now, they have so many programs now that, you know, if you wanted to entrepreneur, you wanted to internships, banking, cooking, whatever you want to do. They didn't have that when we came out. So your
0: name alone today, if you're in a pro sport, even for a year, your mm -hmm. name alone will earn you some form of an income afterwards.
2: Correct. Because it's all about branding now. Like I told you, Boz and Dion and all those guys, they were branding themselves way back then. Obviously on the plane, but on on the field. But now there's so many options that these young people have that we didn't have. So I didn't, I didn't know. I was like lost, you know. Kind of, you know, you go through your depression stage too because you're used to everything is a regiment. You're used to doing this, doing this. You have to be here by this time, be here that by the time. Once well, f- all that football's stops,
1: been in your life from freshman year of high school. Correct. You know, fresh, you, so you got four years, four years of college, ten years. You're talking right. eighteen years. Now all of a sudden it's gone.
2: Yeah, it's gone, and it's like you're looking around, and you know, the first year I didn't even work; I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to be an agent, you know, I wanted to stay around the game, so that was my initial plan. But the people I wanted to do it with it had a lot of in, internal fighting and all that, so that never happened. Broke. I, I got to be
0: honest with you, just this first time we've met face to face. Broadcasting seems like something very natural for you. You cut a genuinely big smile. Mm-hmm. You 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 speak in such a way that, you know, you're you're not um yeah, I'm I'm Tony Woods. Um uh, yeah. <laughs> you you you, you have projection. Ins- you have projection, you have inflection in your voice. Was that ever something that you thought about?
2: Uh it came up later on. People were saying that because seeing our prep taught me a lot. I was winning, you know, we, the cable channel I can not remember what it was. We had a lot of interviews. Cable vision. Cable vision. Correct. So, you know, I started being in front of the camera and just, I guess, being natural with it, but never really taking any classes and learning it. But I wish it was something that I would have done back then.
0: You're a hell of a lot better than Michael Strahan. (laughs)
1: And the, straight ahead is the bad now, and right? I,
0: it's just I can't understand. That's one I can't
1: understand. With I'm the gap, sorry, the gap in the teeth
0: and the, the, the lisp and stuff. It, right. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's a wonderful human being. <laughs> but as far as a broadcaster goes, that it would have been my last choice. You know, it's like having Mike Tyson commentate a fight. <laughs> well, they worked but, out well for him. He and got if Mike is listening, I'm worked sorry. More Mike. Than well, <laughs> I, I don't want to get punched in the face.
2: <laughs> so what do you what are you doing now with yourself? Well, now I'm um, for a while I was meandering around trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Then for 18 Co- coaching years... Coaching
1: a lot of high school football. Yeah,
2: I coached yeah. a lot of high school, but I still was a side thing. I um For 18 years, I worked with the North Public Schools with the school buses. And then I started driving tractor trailers for about two and a half, three years. And now I'm a longshoreman. Um so,
0: so you didn't feel like taking a pay cut of the NFL. You wanted to go to being a longshoreman.
2: Well, I wanted to end my working career strong. So um, it's, it's definitely a good occupation.
0: Future, pension. Future,
2: all of that type of yeah. stuff. Uh, you know, you get pensions from the NFL and all those things, too. But um, it's a great job. Obviously, it's an important job. We bring in 70% of everything that comes into this country. Food, show, everything comes from the ships, and, and it gives you purpose again. Correct, it does it give you me purpose. Uh, you know, it's it, a lot of heavy equipment is is dangerous. Um, it's not hard work, but it's dangerous work. So you gotta, you know, always be on point with things going on.
0: Your your coaching life, giving back to the mm-hmm. younger children, that's got to be an enormous amount of satisfaction. You've learned so much throughout your career. Correct, and it would be a shame for it to live and die with you mm-hmm. without passing it on.
2: Yes, I'm definitely a pay it forward type of guy. Um, one of my high school buddies, he was he's now a retired police officer. He's been coaching in the in the city. Uh, uh Brian Logan, he actually still coaches with West I mean at Weekway, but we started coaching together. He asked me to come on as his coaching staff at Westside back in 2003, I believe. And so I coached like 10 years in high school, uh eight in the in the inner city, two years at Seton Hall Senior prep Brett. at different intervals, and then five years at William Patterson. So I did uh 15 years of coaching and then the job market just kind of took me away from it. But um one of the things at Westside, being an inner city, being from Newark, you know, I was wanted to give these kids hope. I was able to teach them the right way how to do it. Uh I also at one time, it was funny, I actually felt like a hypocrite because I was always preaching to these guys about college and going to school and finishing, and I hadn't finished my degree. So that was another push besides making that promise to my mother that I was like, you know what? I just didn't feel right. Keep talking about school without finishing. And that's all it's about, completing whatever you start. And so once I did that, that was, that's one of the most... I, I tell you what, besides, of course, your birth of your kids and all of that type of stuff, uh graduating from college was one of my greatest accomplishments. And my, be- my biggest accomplishment to me in the NFL, I played 10 years. I played in 140 football games but I started 125 of them. So that that means of course I was good but I was consistent. So that's that's something that I'm very very yeah.
1: proud of. I just got one quick question. Mm-hmm. Reading your bio it said you had seven you have seven children. Well, that's with my my wife now. She has Three. And a half, I four. was gonna say, mm-hmm. did you have cable growing up? I mean, did you have any like hobbies or anything like that? I mean, seven kids. Come well, on. Man. No, it's it's the blended family. It's the uh,
2: the blended family, like the like the Brady <laughs> bunch. Um, yeah, three and three. There you yeah, go. Three and three. Well, it was it was it was seven, but my, I always still say seven because my oldest daughter actually passed away.
1: Oh, I'm um, sorry to hear man. Yeah, that. Yeah, so I'm seven.
2: saying we we can get into things. Um, she's been gone now. She died at 31. She would have oh. been 40. That was a my daughter I had my senior year in high school, heart attack, out of nowhere. Sure. Uh,
0: Lay this on us the last yes. 10 minutes hey, the man. last 10 Listen. minutes of the show.
2: It's, this, this is the suffering podcast. Yes.
0: <laughs> Things happen. You know that that walking across that stage to get your diploma, mm-hmm. you you realize what you did with that. You paid back your parents for all that value they put in time they put into you, their investment in you. You paid, finally paid that investment back.
2: And I never really looked at it like that. It was just more me keeping a promise to my mom. But I, I definitely appreciate you saying that. And I guess in a way it is. I guess in a way it is. You know, as a, as a parent, all you want your kid
0: to do is to be happy. And Correct. it seems like you're pretty happy now. And yes. I can't thank you enough yes. for being
1: here today. Kev, when I, I told you I wanted him to come in, I told you not, not only was he the greatest football player I was ever on a field with, One of the greatest guys you'd ever want to know.
0: You know, you you painted him to be this big jerk. He's been smiles. I've had a wonderful conversation (laughs) with him. I I don't
1: remember Tony ever being pissed. He always had that
2: big smile. (laughs) Thank God. Yeah, no. He's a big
1: dude. Thank God. He he was always so happy go lucky and, and never, you know, never looked down on anybody else. You know, he treated When he was a senior, he treated sophomores the way he treated everybody else. Well, yeah, that's something I I do pride myself
2: on doing that. And I never thought I was bigger than anybody. Anything else was always a part of the team. I mean, but I I got mad on the football field. Oh, yeah. People did some things (laughs) that we didn't get into. Squeezing some things that shouldn't be squeezed, poking some things that shouldn't be poked at. All it's those type of things. it's all yeah. fair in those four <laughs> yards, right? It's all See, your fa- offense alive. That's <laughs>
0: it's within that four yards. He was grabbing and poking. You I, know that. <laughs> uh, I, I I'll admit it right now. I grabbed a lot of balls absolutely. on that line. That's fine.
1: Absolutely, Tony. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it's this. It's a pleasure. You have me on your show, and, and, and Tony, you know how much I love oh, you. Absolutely. I mean, you, you are like I said, Seton Hall Prep Brothers, and forever, forever, forever. We <laughs> always got that.
2: Anything you want to plug? Anything you're working with right now?
1: Anybody who's in any profession,
2: I I really believe in paying it forward. Um, don't die with the job. Pick somebody up that's beneath you. Help them grow, and that that's the way people get better.
0: We we're coming to the end of the show, mm-hmm. and we always end the show the, the same way. You've gone through this this life that you know is a dream for most people, right. and it, well, I'm sure it has its peaks and valleys like mm-hmm. everything else. What do you think the suffering of in a first round draft pick? has
2: taught you actually it makes me appreciate the working class guy the one who goes to him, him or her goes to their job put in 30 35 40 years you know try to help their family grow and 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 you know be a good citizen in the community and all those type of things um I was blessed to play a a a sport a game a game and and that's what it is at the end of the day it's still a game but it's a lot of heavy stakes in the middle of that game. But
1: um, it's a, it's a game within a business. Yes. That's
2: exactly what it was. And I try to treat it like that as far as having a kid spirit about it. But sometimes, you know, you just being an adult, you have to do some things and say some things and handle some things that you really don't want to, but um, it's still a game. It's a beautiful game. It is the ultimate team sport because you have, you know, 50, 60 guys trying to pull one way And you don't have to like each other, but you do have to respect each other and put in the work to get things done.
0: I always tell everybody I play baseball, basketball, and football. And I could tell you maybe five guys I played baseball and basketball with. I'll tell you, every guy I played football with. Absolutely. Because it's, it's a family.
2: It really is. No,
0: yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. Appreciate you,
2: Kevin and Mike.
0: And that's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast, the suffering of a first-round draft pick with the Tony Woods. And let's think about all the stuff that we learned today. Not the Wikipedia, Tony Woods. Not the Wikipedia, <laughs> Tony. The Tony Woods. <laughs> Design an environment for your kids. Football is what you did. It's not who you are. Pressure can destroy, but pressure can also make diamonds. Pay it forward. Knowledge is for everyone, not just for you. But most importantly, consistency is the greatest accomplishment. That's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget, you go to popple.com, get your digital business card, put in the code TSP20 for a 20% discount. Follow us on all social media. That's Twitter, Facebook, Clapper, TikTok, Instagram. Follow Mike at Mike underscore filets. Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. Of course, follow the Suffering Podcast, and we're going to see you on the next episode.